Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What is the power of a meal? What can happen when people get together and share a meal together? Throughout his life and ministry, Jesus Christ loved to share a meal with others, and over and over again, he used that moment to bring transformation into people's lives. Today is the conclusion to our Dinner with Jesus series. And so far, we've discussed Jesus calling Matthew into ministry with him and the story of Mary pouring perfume on Jesus' feet at Simon's house. We also recounted the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish. Last week, Pastor Nicole examined the Last Supper and how Jesus set forth a new relationship with God that changed the world forever. We're wrapping up today by looking at a small, quiet meal that took place on a beach at sunrise, but whose impact has been transforming lives for centuries. This is also the last of Pastor Nicole's outdoor sermons, so you may hear some cars honking in the background while she shares. It's been a great series, and it's a great message to end with. So here's Pastor Nicole. Today is the last of this series that we're calling Dinner with Jesus, and we're looking at five different times in Scripture where Jesus has a meal and a life-changing conversation with someone, and we're working as a church, maybe you're visiting today or haven't been here in a few weeks, we're working on a ch- as a church on having life-changing conversations with people in our life, and our goal is 400 conversations, and you can see here uh, at the board beneath me, we have had a lot of incredible opportunities. We're not done yet, but we have had some incredible opportunities uh, and it's some incredible progress, and I'm so thankful for uh, your obedience to what God is asking us as a church to do. So we'll talk a little bit more about that here at the end of service. But for the final week of this series, we're gonna look at a breakfast that Jesus had on a beach. How many of you wish you woke up this morning and ate breakfast on a beach? (laughs) I, I do too, I think. That's a good summer meal to have. But this meal happens in John chapter 21. So if you have your Bible with you, you can find the scripture in the booklet that we passed out on your way in. Would you follow along as we talk about this scripture? And so I'm going to just start the first word of John chapter 21 actually tells us something significant. Don't you love it when God gives you one word and you have to stop after one word and say, okay, Lord, what do you mean by this? The first word of John 21 is this afterwards. Just say that out loud today. Afterwards. You got to say, you got to be loud because I'm real far from y'all. So afterwards. Okay. So after what? You gotta ask yourself, what, what, after what? This account in John 21 clearly happens after something, but after what? And in order to answer this, we need to back up a few chapters. And so I'm gonna start in John 18, which is just a few chapters before. And in John 18, there's a man named Peter. Now he is a man that we can all get behind. Okay, let me tell you about Peter. Peter was the valedictorian of failure. Peter was, he he had great aspirations and he did some incredible things in the scripture, but he had some pretty epic failures. He overestimated himself and he underestimated temptation. Peter uh, thought he was more committed to faith than he really was at times. Peter thought he loved the Lord more than he actually did. And Peter would fa- thought he could face any, tri- any trial. He kind of felt a little ir- uh, invincible. Uh, but he often would make a huge mess of things. Okay, so let's just get real honest here this morning. Is anybody brave enough to say, you know what, I can relate 
I, I can. I'm a little bit like Peter. I hope that I've done some incredible things, some great aspirations for the Lord, but I have certainly had some very epic failure. And so here's Peter, and he is having this moment in John 18. He's bragging openly about how he would be faithful to Jesus even if everyone else fell away. I'm gonna be faithful. I love you so much, Lord. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll do whatever I need to do. And he's confident, and he's, he's arrogant a little bit, and he's strong. And a few hours later, he is asked one question and it proves him to be completely weak. And under pressure, this bold apostle basically melts into a puddle. A teenage girl says, are you one of those men who are with Jesus? And Peter responds, Jesus? I don't, I'm not sure who you're talking about. Who? Me? And he doesn't just do this one time. But three separate times, Peter denies the Lord. And moments later, Jesus was brought out from his trial before the high priest. And in Luke twenty two sixty one, it says that the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And that's when the full impact of his sin hit him. And realizing what he had done, Peter went outside and wept bitterly. In the middle of Peter's failure, he had no joy, he had no assurance, he had no boldness, he was dry, he was discouraged. He was weeping bitterly because he knew that he had messed up. Failure identifies the gap between where we are and where we could be. Failure identifies the gap between where we are and where we could be. And listen, this is an ugly gap, am I right? <laughs> This is an ugly gap. It's a difficult gap to face in our own lives. But failure can sometimes be helpful. Now, I am not encouraging you to fail, okay? But when you do, I want to remind you that failure can be helpful. It can identify to us where we need more of the Holy Spirit. It can show us the spaces that we need to depend on the Lord more. It can highlight to us the gaps that we have in our life. It can reorient us. It can set us on a new path of victory and favor. And when we think about it that way, failure doesn't always have to be all bad. And so we see, actually see this happen to Peter. Peter's testimony doesn't end there. In John 21, we see how Jesus restores Peter and prepares him for an even greater work in the future. And Peter ends up a whole different person. And do you know why? Because of the way that Jesus deals with his failure. There's a way that Jesus deals with his failure that changes Peter into a whole different person. So that's where we're gonna be. That, that, that all happened before the word afterwards, okay? Are you ready? So now let's go after the word afterwards. John 21. Afterwards, after this happened, after Peter's big failure moment, Jesus is crucified on the cross. And it says in John 21, verse 2, that Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and some other disciples got into the boat to fish. Now this group of men were some of the first disciples who Jesus called to live life with him. And, and in fact, three years earlier, uh, these fishermen were called from their nets to follow Jesus. Remember that detail, it's important later. But as they looked, as, as they're fishing, as these guys are they're getting in their boat to fish, um, they, they look around. And as they looked around the lake from their boat, 
They could see the place where they witnessed Jesus feed 5,000 people with a small lunch. Do you guys remember that from last Sunday? We talked about that. So they're on a boat and they're looking at this hill that Jesus just did a miracle. He fed an entire group of people with a very small lunch. Then maybe they looked to the other side and they could see a steep cliff uh, that in the scripture says a demon-possessed pigs fell into to the sea at Jesus' command. And then they saw the road that led to Cana where Jesus did his first miracle. Here's the thing. They come back to the place where they were rich with memories of their journey with the Savior. And in John 21, 3, these men all get together and it gives us this detail that they went fishing at night. They went fishing at night. Now, we have to look at the details of this passage to really understand uh, just, just things that God is trying to tell us. You know, God is in the details. How many of you know that God is in the details? So let's look at the details. Let's not skim this over so quickly. But it says that in John 21, 3, these men go, they go fishing, and they went fishing at night. Why? Why is this important? Why at night? We talked about this not too long ago as a church, but we see other things happening in the scripture at night. Remember, Nicodemus is a man in John 3. He came to find Jesus at night. He was afraid what people would think of him. He was afraid he would lose his status or his reputation. He went looking for Jesus when, when no one would see him. And there's something dark about the night, okay? The night is dark. And these references aren't just about night on the outside, they aren't just about the literal sun that has gone down for the day. The scripture is telling us when it identifies it with the night, that there is darkness, there's, there's night, like there's night inside our soul. Have you ever been walking around in the broad daylight, but inside you just feel like it's night? The darkness of your soul, that heaviness, that, that you don't even know where it comes from. There's something dark about it. And so that's what's going on with Nicodemus. And then that's what's happening here with Peter is Peter is dealing with the dark night of his soul because of the way he betrayed the Lord. He knew that he screwed up. He didn't know what to do. So he said what a lot of men say, I'll go fishing. <laughs> that's what I'll go do. I don't know what else to do, but I just messed up. I betrayed my friend. I, I, I did something I never thought that I would do. My heart is broken. And listen, this setting is really fitting because natural things mirror supernatural things. Natural things mirror supernatural things. So as a Christ follower, we need to look for things in the natural that are giving you glimpses and clues to what God is doing in the supernatural. Remember, there are no coincidences. God's providence fills every single second of our lives. In fact, think back right now to a coincidence maybe that happened to you this week and you thought, oh, that was a, that was a coincidence. I'm glad that happened or I can't believe I ran into that person or, or I can't believe this happened. Listen, there are no coincidences. Jesus did that and it potentially was a natural thing that was mirroring a supernatural thing that's happening. All right, so let's continue in John 21, verse three. Uh, it says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them and they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Okay, there's some really, really important details in this, just this one verse, follow with me. This word, uh, they went out and got into the boat, it's actually not translated originally as a boat. It is talking about a specific boat. 
the boat, a specific boat. The disciples went out and got into a very specific boat. Wasn't a random boat, wasn't someone else's, uh, another fisherman's, it was the boat. And here's what it was. It was the same boat that Peter left three years ago when Jesus came to him and said, come follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. He went and got back in that same boat. Peter had left that boat. And what we're seeing here in John 21 isn't just a spontaneous random fishing trip. This is Peter saying, I screwed up bad. I failed. And I think I'm just going to go back to who I was. I'm just going to go back to who I was. This is Peter saying, I quit. I thought I could do this. I thought I could follow Jesus with my whole heart. I thought I could get things together. I thought that I would do it different this time, but it is just too hard. This is just too much, and I give up. And in this one little tiny verse, we are watching Peter forget his calling. We're watching Peter abandon the mission that Jesus had spoken over his life. And Peter is internalizing his failure so deeply that he's ready to give it all up and just go back. Now listen, let's have some real talk today. I don't know how you can, I'm talking, I'm on a truck in a parking lot, okay? So this is about all the kind of talk you can have is real talk. But how many of you have ever told God that you quit? How many of you have ever given up and you thought, I'll just go back to my old life. I'll just go back to my old habits. God, I know you called me to this, but it's too hard. I know you asked me to walk this way, but it is not going the way I thought. God, I know that you asked me to, to give my life for, for, for this cause, but God, it, it is just not happening the way that I expected. And I'm just going to go back to what I know. I quit. If you've ever felt that, then you know how Peter's feeling in John 21. And man, I love Jesus. I love Jesus because this is what happens in John 21. Jesus preaches an entire sermon with this very small detail in verse three. So they went out, they got into the boat, but listen, this is what happened. But they, that night, they caught, say it, nothing, nothing. They caught nothing. Peter's trying to live in the past. He's trying to go back to where he came from. He's trying to do the same things he used to do, but the same things aren't working anymore. And he is catching nothing. He's catching nothing. And here's the truth. When we meet Jesus, it all changes. We can't go back to our old life anymore. That's behind us. The hope and the future that Christ has planned for our lives is ahead and there's no turning back. And if you decide you're going back, you will catch nothing because you aren't the same anymore. You're different. God has done something in your life and you can't unknow or unsee or unexperience the presence of God. And I believe today that God is wanting maybe to tell someone right now in this parking lot to quit trying to run back to your old life because it's not working anymore because you're different. <laughs> you're different. And that old life and that old boat isn't going to get you anywhere. How many of you are here today and you can testify that after you met Jesus, you're different? You're different. Thank you, God. I thought I'd get some horn honks. You guys are letting me down. <laughs> there we go. 
Nothing looked different to the disciples. That boat was still slimy. The air was still crisp. The water was still cold. But little did they understand that Jesus Christ was changing everything in those days before his resurrection. He was defeating death. He was conquering sin. He was rewriting history. Nothing would ever be the same for all of humanity. He wasn't just changing Peter's life. He was changing all of our destiny. That's what he was doing. And so in John, I'm only three verses in. All right, John 21, four, it says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. The scripture goes on to say, when that happens, John, who was a disciple that was fishing, he recognizes Jesus and he said, it's the Lord. That, that's him. I recognize him. And so Peter, crazy Peter, who we've been talking about in verse seven, it says he puts on his garment because in Jewish culture, it would be indecent to appear to another person before uh, without it. And he jumps into the water and he starts swimming to shore. I love this guy. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he, he, he's not like, okay, row me faster. He's like, I'm out of this boat. I'm done with this old life. There's my Jesus. I'm going toward him. I forgot. What was I doing? Why did I think that this was going to get me anywhere? I'm going toward Jesus. And he jumps out of the boat and he swims like a crazy man. And, and I don't know if or when the disciples realized what was happening, but Jesus in John 21 was taking them back. He was recreating a scene. He was staging a miracle for Peter and the disciples because he wanted to take them back to a place that they've been before. Jesus is taking them back to the place when they first chose to follow him. That moment when Peter met him and the revelation of who Jesus was stunned and captivated him so much that he abandoned his entire life to follow Jesus. And somehow Peter's back in the same boat, in the same lake, running toward the same Jesus, how it all began. And Jesus is revealing himself to Peter all over again. In the wake of Peter's miserable failure, I just... I'm just so amazed at what Jesus does. He, he doesn't straighten out Peter's theology. He doesn't shame Peter into changing his ways. He doesn't even give Peter a foolproof 10-step plan to make sure he never fails again. Jesus takes Peter back to a life-changing, significant moment, and he says, remember this, Peter, because this is who you are. My grace is sufficient for you. It was as sufficient for you in the beginning as it is now. And there are do-overs. There is grace because I'm still the same. Jesus says, you might have messed it up a million times, Peter. But listen, your purpose for, my purpose for you has not changed. And Peter needed to hear that Jesus still loved him deeply. In the same way that Jesus loved him when he first called him off of that same boat to be that fisher of men is the same love that Jesus was revealing to Peter again. I'm going to tell you the problem with failure, the problem with mistakes, is it fogs up your vision of Jesus. Maybe you followed God for a long time and, and, and you used to have this great understanding of who Jesus was and how much he loves you, but you failed along the way. And, and, and over the years, it's fogged up a little bit of your vision of Jesus. And sometimes we can think that he is very far away or that he's very disappointed in us. And we can stay at a distance from God. We can, we can stay at an arm's length. In fact, maybe you're here today and you feel that way. You feel like 
you believe God, you, you love God, but he just feels really far away. And you don't even really know how he got there. I think it's really important to our faith to look at this. How does Jesus treat failure in this passage? Because if we understand how Jesus treats failure, when it happens to us, we're going to be able to process it differently. But this is what Jesus does. He steps into the gap. He comes closer to us. And he points to, to Peter. He says, look, here's a better version of yourself that I believe that you can be. And he comes right in the middle of failure and he comes right in the middle of the mess and he moves graciously and lovingly towards Peter. And this, is, this is a word for someone today that Jesus, he's not tired of you. He, he is not um, frustrated and tired of you because you keep coming back to him because you failed. Jesus is not running from your failure. He's not hanging out with people that he likes more. His face is toward you. Jesus shows up on the beach of Peter's life just when Peter's about to throw in the towel and he comes with a fresh revelation and reminder of how long and deep and far and wide is the love of Jesus. And if he had a chance, if Jesus had a chance to cook breakfast on the beach for you today, that's the exact same thing that he would do. Is he would say, here I am. I'm showing up in the middle of your failure. I'm coming into the gap graciously and lovingly. And, I, and I'm going to point you to a way that you can be better. You're, there's a better version of yourself that I can help you get to. But don't run from me in your failure. Don't isolate me. Don't, don't let me get so far away that I can't even help you. And so Peter, he starts swimming to shore to see his savior. And when he gets to the shore, uh, John chapter 21, verse nine, it says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. Now, I'm gonna stop here for just a minute because this is, to me, this is incredible. 40 days before this, Jesus died on a cross and was crucified. And then at this moment, Jesus comes, appears to his disciples to cook his friends some breakfast. Does somebody say thank you, Jesus? That's what he wants to do. He comes to cook Peter breakfast, even after Peter had failed him deeply. Listen, some of us need to change our image of Jesus. He is not condemning. He is not far away. He is not angry. He comes into our awkward and humble moments. He wants to be close to us and he speaks loud and he speaks clear about his deep, deep love for us. Most of the time when we talk about this moment in scripture, uh, we, we typically say, well, Jesus had resurrected from the dead and, and with his physical body, and then he was eating fish and bread. So uh, this, this was a firsthand account that Jesus rose from the dead in bodily form because ghosts and spirits can't eat. So this was important for us to see, and that's really good. Uh, that's really good for us to see and understand. And that's what I've often been taught about this scripture. But I said to the Lord for a minute, I said, I, I don't understand, Lord, why is this detail about the fire of burning coals there? This is a really small detail. Why, did, why does this matter? Why did the author include this? Do you know sometimes in scripture we get tons of details and sometimes we don't get many at all? And there are times I'm wondering why, why God, this seems strange. And, and, and I want to show you, here's what I found. Huh. Are you ready for this? John only uses this description about burning coals. He, he, he only describes burning coals twice in the scripture, in the New Testament. One time is here, and the other time is in John 18, 18. 
when Peter denied Jesus. He's there, and it says it was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm, and Peter also was standing there warming himself. Have you ever been someplace and and you smell a certain fragrance and it takes you straight back to a time of your life? Anybody like that? Like you smell something and you're like, that was my high school algebra room. I smell it right there. That's why teenage girls sleep in their boyfriend's hoodies, right? It smells like them. It's that smell. Smells like take us back to places. I can't help but think Peter showing up on the shore And he looks at the fire and he smells the fire. And he has this moment where he gets a pit in his stomach remembering what happened. He remembered his mess up. He remembered the last time he was at a fire just like this. He was denying his Lord and Savior. And so he gets up on shore and I don't know, Peter might even thought, this feels a little bit funny. This feels a little bit strange because I'm standing just about the same exact place where I was in the same situation when I denied you. And Jesus says, bring some of that fish you just caught. And it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, this feels familiar, but this is a redo. Bring some of that fish. Bring that miracle that I just did. Bring that over and put that on the fire because we're going to rewrite this memory together. New fish and new fires. New fish and new fires. Thank you, Jesus, for new chances. We're going to rewrite this together because there's grace and there's mercy. And Peter, I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus, for new chances. That's my Jesus. He forgives failure and he turns it around all for his glory and he rewrites the story. In John 21, 15 through 25, we get to see this conversation that Jesus and Peter have. And Jesus starts by saying, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Jesus is pointing to the fish and he's pointing to the boats and he's saying, do you love me more than your business? Do you love me more than your things? Do you love me more than making money? Do you, do you love me more than, more than anything? Do you love me more than your old life? And I believe that Jesus is asking us the same question today. Do you love me? Do you love me more than all of this? Do you love me more than your work? Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your old life? Do you love me more than your mindset? Do you love me more than your political opinions? Do you love me? And Jesus asked Peter three times this question. Some theologians believe it's because Peter denied Christ three times, and so Jesus was giving Peter a do-over three times. He is the God of another chance in the most healing way possible. And God is the God of a fresh start. You might be thinking, yeah, pastor, but you don't know what I've done. (laughs) You don't know what I did today. You don't know what I did this week. You know what? You're right. I don't know your failure. But I do know Jesus. And I know that he is greater than your failure. And I know that your failure did not change God's plan for your future. Let me say that again. I know that your failure did not change God's plan for your future. 
And no matter how far you've drifted away today, Jesus is saying, would you come back? Jesus is cooking breakfast for you on the shore. And I just want to tell you today, if you need to talk to someone about how to get Jesus in the center of your life, maybe he once was and now he's not anymore. Maybe he's so far away, you don't even know how to talk to him anymore. If you need to talk to someone, would you visit the prayer tent over here? You can go right, you can go right now if you want, but you can go after service. There's a great team there that would love to talk with you. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm coming into the gap. Failure makes a, 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 a space for us to repent and come closer to Jesus. And he says, would you do that instead of running from me, instead of hiding from me, would you come? And I believe that's why Jesus recorded this whole scripture in the New Testament, because he wants us to understand how he deals with failure, how he dealt with Peter. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close today. We just have a few more minutes here. You guys have done great in this heat. When I started this series, I introduced a, a challenge that the Lord really gave me for our church, for Erie First Assembly, that we would have 400 life-changing conversations with people who don't know Jesus. Conversation can be simple. It's not that you fully led them to the Lord or, or they, they got down on their knees and wept. It's just you sharing your faith, your hope, your peace that you've experienced, the love of God that you know with someone in your life. And I asked if you would mark the box to symbolize that you had the conversation. And uh, remember, these boxes aren't representing people. We would never uh, reduce a person to a checked box. But these are marks to represent our obedience, to represent our conversations. And by marking that box in faith, that the truth that you shared will grow into faith in Jesus. You're marking that box believing that the seed you plant will turn into a miracle. We aren't in charge of the results. That's God's job. But we are called to be obedient to spreading the message of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to sing Waymaker one more time. In fact, would you stand? And if you were able to have a conversation, would you just come down and check the box? If you're, if you're like, ah, I don't really want to walk down there, find somebody in the car next to you and tell them to come down and check the box. Say, pastor told you to. <laughs> you come down and mark it. Let's see how close we got to our goal.
thank you, God, that you step into our gaps lovingly and graciously and you point us to a better way. God, thank you for the blood of Jesus that forgave us. Thank you for how great and deep and wide is your love. So God, we give you praise today. We thank you for who you are. And it's in your strong and precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.